BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. I've had a couple of days. Generally, when I bring you guys a recap after a fight, I do it immediately after. Call it a first reaction type thing. But, you know, with Anthony Smith, it's different. Our relationship's different. So I want to take a little bit of time and think about this. Um, It was interesting, and... Here's what's going on in Anthony's life today. Okay, let, let me just describe this to you. And he thinks nobody understands. Nobody would get you wouldn't get it. You wouldn't understand. But he's probably even telling his most his most loved one. He's being sweet to them, but he's at the same time, you know, you're not gonna pull me out of this shell. How could you? You don't get it. All right. I do. Thinks he's got a secret. Thinks it's his problem. Thinks it's unique to him. And if he could just overcome this. He could just be mentally tough like these guys he reads about. Is there anybody that Anthony's ever read that's as tough as he is mentally? But he doesn't feel that way. And he could feel physically that he's still there, that he's still light, that he's still powerful, that he's still making weight, that he's still hungry, that he's still in shape, that he's still listening to his corner, that he still wants to win, that he can still overcome an obstacle like Walker said. Why didn't he? And part of that match, Anthony was trying to get into the right headspace. He was even yelling at Walker. And this was a little bit tough as an outsider. Like, if I don't quite have this, the, the same as you saw, let me tell you what I saw or what I thought I saw. Anthony was saying to Walker something about, you insulted my family. And Walker just kept saying, huh? Kept saying, what? I don't believe that was a situation where Anthony was actually trying to call Walker out and get himself ready. I believe he was manufacturing that. I believe he was trying to say, you're somebody, you're this mythical figure. That's a common thing. Let me tell you an example. This is very heavy. I get that they aren't related. Hear me out anyway, because it's an example you'll remember. Dan Gable. Dan Gable was one of the great competitors. He, He actually changed and innovated sport. He is the one that made the world... All sports, not just combat, made the world see the effectiveness of weaponizing pace. So one thing that Dan Gable would do is his sister was raped. Heavy stuff. They never caught the guy. So when Dan would go on the mat, he was extremely tenacious, very aggressive, real physical style. 
but he would imagine that guy across from him is the one that did it. And I bring you that heavy example because what Anthony was doing was pretty heavy too, accusing Walker of talking about his family. I don't think he meant it literally though. I think, it's my interpretation, is he was trying to get himself in a headspace of what would I do to a guy if the guy threatened my family? That's what I think I was seeing. Now, whether I have that right or it's the other and it's more literal and he did do it, either way, I'm correct in the notion of telling you that Anthony wasn't in the place mentally he felt he needed to be. To be sharp, to want it, to be hungry, to overcome, to scramble out of positions. Anthony's been on the other side of this. What Anthony was doing, being in that ring physically, and the entire time searching and just hoping that that dog that he needs comes out. He was in this exact same spot in reverse. It was in Sweden, and it was against Alexander Gustafsson. Gustafsson was there physically. He was light on his feet. He was moving. He was in fantastic shape. He, he didn't want to be there. He was tired. It was too long. The training camps were too long. The travel was too much. The media was too big. He was ready for it to be over. And I only share that with you because that's just the voice that Anthony's battling with. He's searching for this dog that he knows is in him, and that dog needs to come out to win. He knows that, and he's had a lot of really good experiences, and life's going pretty well. And his family is beautiful, and they like him, and there's just not a whole lot of reasons to fight and be angry, and it's just the truth. And Andy, Anthony was coming up. He was coming up on the streets. He was having to deal with the police. He's got free time on his hands. He's at the park alone doing some of these things and I I just bring to you when life changes a little bit you're searching for that that thing and you never knew in the first place what made that thing come out and play you never really knew you just knew when it did things were better from a competitive standpoint so it's, it's one of these interesting spots Anthony says he's going to go back sit down with the team and think about retirement I will support that either way this is this is a man uh there's a man who, when I met him, was a bum. And I don't mean he wasn't good. He was really good. He was a bum. He was like 14 and 6. 14 and 8. He was a bum. He would never get Dana White's attention. He hadn't gotten it. I don't mean he was 14 and 8 in the UFC. He'd never been in the big show. And was 14 and 8. You're never, he'll, you'll never get in at 14 and 8. He did, and I don't know how. I don't know how. It's one of the more incredible stories. He might have been more like 15 and 7, but I'm right there, guys. It was it was bad. He was bummed. Fight for 1500 bucks if he could get that. He wasn't a main eventer. I mean, I'm sharing these things, and I don't say to put him down. He came from that. He fought for the world championship. He was a decision away from being the guy to stop John Jones. It's an incredible feat. There was people that looked at him and didn't think that he knew the sport. Now... He works for ESPN explaining to the world the sport. I don't know if there has been a guy that I my, our paths have crossed and that I've come through this journey with that is more of a fighter than Anthony Smith, not to mention more of a winner at fighting than Anthony Smith. And at some point, for whatever reason, eventually you... You fire your last bullet, and that chamber goes dry, and it's just not something you want to do. You guys know the name Brandon Slay? 
Brandon Slay is an Olympic hero. He's responsible for one of the biggest upsets in Olympic history, and moreover is the way that it came. He had to do it in the quarterfinals. Most of those big matches, those big upsets are for the gold medal match. He had to do it in the quarterfinals, stopping Satia. So Brandon wins the gold medal. I mean, off he goes in life, but he's only 28 years old. He's only 27 years old. He wasn't ready to, to move on yet. But what else do you do? All right, so he decides he's going to come back. And he's in the room. He's coming back. It's Olympic Training Center, right? It's the best guys, best coaches, best facilities. It's what he was used to. And at the end of practice, the coach calls out a drill. It's a conditioning drill, but it's, it's just called catch the guy in front of you. Whole teams, the whole group is running. The coach yells, catch the guy in front of you. That means sprint is what that means. That means catch the guy in front of you, whoever that is. Catch him and pass him. Everybody in the room trying to do the same thing. And Brandon said he was doing that drill. He did practice, went through all the motions. He was sweaty. He was tired. It was a great workout. He was eating right. He was sleeping right. He told me this. He said, it was time to catch the guy in front of you. And he had the energy to do it. He had the energy to catch the guy. But he didn't want to. He just didn't want to catch him. It was going to require an effort. It was going to require a heart. It was going to require a toughness. And he just didn't want to do it. And he knew in that moment, I need to stop the comeback. Because I cannot come back to what I was if I don't want to catch the guy in front of me. It was, very, it was very relevant. He set that down one time. He set that down. Bet you and he doesn't even remember telling me that, but I remember hearing it. I remember hearing it. I understood it. I'll just apply it to this moment. Physically, this is no problem for Anthony. Mentally, he was in search of something. And if you can't find it, you can't find it. It's not a negative thing. It's just a sign. There's other things for him to do in this life. Don't dread that. Go enjoy them. Johnny Walker. You know, I find Walker, I find like he has it. I feel like he has the factor. There's something there about him that's interesting. And... When you're on your way up, when you're one of those guys, those media darlings, the, the fall can be unfair, right? Everybody gets gets pulled back a little bit. You, you get humbled. You got to restart your sport, re-strategize. You don't have very many guys going like Khabib where they're undefeated. It's all moonlight canoes. There, there's a lot of setbacks. And when you have the type of rise and expectation that Walker did early on, it can be unfair. Man, Walker went from not only the guy that's going to fight John Jones, he went to he was the guy that was going to beat him. He had the stand-up to beat him. He had the height and the reach and the training to beat him. And the, the media was going all the way to Thailand to get statements from coaches and training partners about how good he truly is on his feet. I mean, right, we're starting to buy into this. He loses a fight. Corey Anderson stomps him out at the garden. And it was a beaten. It, it was a beaten, but... Generally, these things are, right? When somebody gets upset, when a fight turns out to be harder than they thought it was going to be, it's usually not tit for tat when we go to the judges. It's a, it's a massacre. 
And I only bring that to you because this was very common. He's got the meat. He's got the support of him. I was at the weigh-ins two days or one day before the fight. The crowd went crazy for him. Now, all of a sudden, he loses the fight to Corey Anderson. He's not only not in those talks. He's not back on television. I mean, this guy's fighting so early in the evening. And even if it was televised, I mean, you still understand my point, right? The fall was almost unfair. And I only pointed out because he had to overcome that mentally and physically. And, and Walker should get a lot of credit. That's what a real tough guy does. That's what a real competitor does. I felt as though he really proved himself. So many guys will handle the media the wrong way. I, I mean, just for example, I have not heard, and even in my mind, I can't think of very many things that happened in that fight, good or bad for Walker. The articles that I'm reading, the conversations I'm finding myself a part of, and what I remember is the ridiculous things he said after the fight, trying to explain why the fight went the distance. And it, it, it had to do with, with people in Brazil, and he, he, you know they stay up late, he wanted to go to bed early, he wants to be out there, he, he wanted to prove himself. Right? If you go out and stop a guy quick, you haven't proved yourself. You gotta prove that you can defend, that you can take a punch, that you have the conditioning. That you can do these types of things. Okay. This is what he says. So, and you, you got to understand, there is no shoots, right? There's no guy that comes out and does an interview and he's telling you the truth. Nobody. It's all a work. And the guy that gets closer to the truth than the performer who comes out there is, is openly just trying to entertain it's the same thing. I mean, it's the same thing in that neither one is honest and neither one is straight. They are both designed purely to take your story and get your story over. There is no part of Walker. See, but this is where the problem comes in. These guys can never figure out. I mean, it's not as though Walker is the first one to slip and fall on this banana peel. The intent of the story is to tell the audience, I didn't finish him because I didn't want to. The finish signifies a discrepancy in skills. If I can finish somebody, there is a discrepancy. I am not only better, I am meaningfully better. There is a gap between us. If I do not finish them, then said gap does not exist. So you're, you're attempting to explain that you could have finished them, you chose not to, and here's why. Now, that's not straight and it's not honest. It's an attempt to get a BS story over. It's just the wrong attempt. It, it's wrong because the problem is when you're selling a lie, if the lie were accurate, are you viewed better than had you told the truth? That's the entire point of a lie. No human being will choose to lie over the truth if the lie is worse for them than the truth. And that's what Walker did. If Walker was good enough to finish Smith, if, if we all agreed on that, we all agree. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. He was out there. I was cat and mouse. He definitely could have finished him. We don't look at Walker as better. We look at him as a dumb dumb. We say, hey, stupid, you could have gotten out of there. Why didn't you? You put yourself at risk. You put your fans at risk. You put your family at stress. You put your betters in harm's way. Why would you be so stupid 
as to stay out there in a contest that can be flipped as quickly as this. Why would you be so stupid to do that if you didn't have to? And that's where Walker would come back and go, okay, oh, wait, oh, wait, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm actually not stupid. I actually don't have a bad strategy. It's not actually that my coaches told me to do something that ridiculous. I I, I just didn't finish him, and I, I thought I should tell a better story than that. Just, what, what is going on here? You know, it's, it's one of these things like, what, what, how'd you even go down that road? If you're doing a post-fight interview, how do you even go down the road of something negative, something that you feel you need to cover up? How? Did somebody ask you a question? And if they did, did you feel you were under subpoena? Did you think you were like sworn in under oath to answer the question? How could you not build a bridge from their question to something that you want to talk about, such as who should your next opponent be now? Because that wasn't discussed by Walker. He's coming off this great win. It's the best win of Walker's career. He just beat the former number one contender. He just beat a guy that's done eight main events for the company, okay? Instead of discussing who's next or who should be next or who you would like next, when it got turned over to Dana, right, when we handed Dana the conch, Dana says Walker didn't do anything to wow anybody tonight. Now, I don't say that to give Walker hard time. I feel as though Walker's on top of the world right now. He's got his boat. I think he can handle this. That's my point. I don't think I'm being rude. He can handle this. But when Dana speaks about you after a fight, that is the answer right then. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. You don't have to wait till next week. You're going to find out right there in that moment. Did you do your job tonight or not? It's a promotion. Are you aware of that? Well, I want to make sure you're aware of that. When I talk about, did you do your job? You go, yeah, I got my hand raised. We're not in to get the hand raised. We're in a promotion. Well, I won tonight. We're not in the I won tonight. We're in the promotion. When this is over, are you going to be elevated or not? And when you turn it to Dana, you're going to get your answer. And it gets turned to Dana to speak about the performance. That never should have been a topic on Dana's mind. It's now a topic on my mind as well. But it's here because Walker brought it here. They could have turned it to Dana and talked about who Walker called out, who he challenged, and why. But he didn't bring that up. He didn't challenge anyone. He didn't offer what's next. He didn't try to move himself from the main card to the main event. He didn't try to take himself off. This is all his fault. It's completely his fault. I don't know what question he was asked that he thought he needed to talk about the people in Brazil and them getting to bed, and I don't know. I don't know what question he was asked where he thought he had to explain and apologize for beating the former number one contender who's done eight main events. John Jones took 25 minutes to beat him. Walker just beat him in 15. And he thinks he needs to go out and apologize. I don't know what question he got asked that he wasn't smart enough to deal with. And I will tell you guys that follow me until I am blue in the face. Do not answer a question. Handle a question. We got to talk about Ian and we got to get something fixed. And I mean, now we got to get something straightened out. And I mean, yesterday. Okay. Let me think of an example. And I'll come back to Ian. All the greats that you look up to, and I'm talking the greats, the Mike Tysons, the Tiger Woods, the Simone Biles, 
the, the greats. LeBron James. They have somebody else that they look up to. They have as great as you think they are. They have somebody that they feel that same way about. Allow me to give you a scenario on LeBron James, right? LeBron James, everywhere I go, I'm hearing this, this, this. It's very silly, but it exists, and it's great for LeBron, and it's great for Jordan, but it's a debate amongst aficionados and basketball pundits everywhere of who is the greater player, LeBron or Jordan. That's great for those guys, right? You know what a compliment it was for Mike Tyson when people started saying, who was the best, you or Muhammad Ali? Could you imagine? Imagine the spot you're in. What has happened with that question is everyone else to have ever done it has now been eliminated. Now, whether you get the one spot like you're hoping for or you come in with the two spot, to ever have done it, you can live with it, right? Either way that you go. So when it finally got broken down, right, to Chuck Norris, hey, who was better, you or Bruce Lee? Like, it just wiped all of the, the, the Van Dams and the Seagulls, all the Jeff Speakmans of the world right off the map. They don't exist anymore. Jackie Chan didn't even get a spot at the dance. It's very relevant. But let me just give you a scenario for LeBron. Let's say LeBron coming up. We know he looked up to somebody. We know he admired somebody. That's why you're going to become a basketball player because you saw somebody else that you wanted to be inspired to be like. Let's say that person was Michael Jordan. It likely was. But let's say it was. LeBron probably has a pair of Air Jordans and he would have a story on how he got his first pair. Whether he begged his parents or he washed cars on the weekends or got an extra job in the summertime, whatever it was, he'd have a story about those. And he likely has a picture of Air Jordan flying over a bunch of bums, slamming a slamming a basket in, right? Like so many other people had, hanging on their wall, wearing that Bulls jersey, number 23. If that had come out, if it had come out that LeBron was a Jordan fan, a nut hugger. There's no way that he would have ever passed up Jordan. Jordan could have had one championship and LeBron had 100. If LeBron has a poster of Jordan on his wall and his most coveted pair of sneakers ever are Air Jordans, he will never in public perception pass Jordan. Even if you come out, you go, well, wait a minute. He only had one championship. You've got 100. He'll never pass him in public perception. It will now be over. It will be over. The debate will be settled. It won't be a way to LeBron or Jordan. It will for sure be LeBron. Do you understand? Or for sure be Jordan. Do you understand the point? You got to be really careful when you do that. Uh, let me give maybe give you a different example. There has never been a man elected president. That's not a political statement because it could be either party. There's never been a man elected president who in the course of his speeches discusses for you, the audience, what he perceives to be a better man. It's never happened. Well, guys, hey, I'm happy to lead. and I got a real good track record with judgment. Got some beautiful degrees and some great people around me. And if, uh, if, if Timmy over here, if he doesn't want to do it, then I, I probably am your, your next choice and certainly look forward to seeing what your answer is. It's not going to work. It, it, it can't work, right? You can't be the guy when you're walking around talking about somebody else being the guy. I only bring this to you because Ian Gary is as good of a stand-up fighter as I've seen. Now, he might be as good of a fighter as I've seen. He might be. I'm going to leave a little bit more time. And I don't know about the well-roundedness, but the only reason I don't know about it 
is he hasn't shown it because he hasn't had to. He hasn't elected to go to the ground. He hasn't elected to scramble, show guard work. He's elected to stay on his feet. And the fact that he's been able to, that nobody can take him off his feet, nobody can take him down, I think it really speaks volumes to him. I give him a lot of credit for that. But in the stand-up range, which is the only place I've seen him, when I tell you he's as good as this sport has ever had, I don't say it with an exaggeration. We have guys that are real good with kicks. Now, they can use their hands just fine, but that's going to set up the kick, or vice versa. Guys are real good with their hands. They'll put a kick in there every now and then. He's equally as dangerous with his hands as he is with his feet. His defense, which you're likely to not be noticing yet, you're just seeing his finishes, you're seeing his offense, his defense is on point, and his setups are better yet. There is never an attack, whether it's with the elbow, the knee, the foot, or the hand. There has never been an attack by Ian Gary where it is not set up first. Oh, by the way, he sets them all up the same way. He's got the same movement. I'll leave it at that. The opponents are going to have to go find what it is. But every single day, it's a tell. He telegraphs that he's about to attack you. You just don't know what attack it is because it's the same setup. That's what's so interesting about it. Most guys have three to five setups. But those setups are assigned to a tactic. The guy doesn't know that he's doing it. But if the guy faints his left hand, he's throwing his right. If the guy shifts his hips, he's getting ready to land an elbow. He's got tells that you'll pick up with your coach watching video in training camp. Gary's different. Gary has one setup. And he does it for no matter what attack he's going to do. So he does telegraph. He does let you know something's coming. You just don't know what it is. And the opponents are freezing. They know something's going, so they freeze. They don't know if they need to raise their hand, if they need to pull, if they need to cover. They need to raise a shin. They don't know what to do. They just know an attack is coming. I don't think Gary means to do that at all. I think that is a byproduct. I don't think he at all thought, I'm just going to do one setup, but five different attacks, and that'll make me different. I think it just happened on accident. Either way, this is where we are. What's the problem? The problem is, I don't know where to elevate Gary. I just, I don't know. I just know there is a, there is a cap. And for most athletes, particularly ones that are undefeated, particularly ones that are handsome and well-spoken and get an interview time, there's no ceiling. You don't know how far they can go. I do know with Gary, because he's told me, and it's McGregor. McGregor is his cap. He can't go above that. He might be fine with that. He might say, chill, run me right alongside Connor. I'll sign up for that now. Okay, maybe. Maybe. But it's a cap nonetheless. Now, it was done. It was very respectful. It was a part of his shtick. I don't blame him for doing it. I think he'd probably make Connor feel really good. I'm just sharing with you the byproduct. The byproduct with the Connor McGregor every single time is that there's your cap. There's your ceiling. There's your roof. How good of a guy are you? Well, you're not better than him. He's your idol. He's been arrested three times in the last three days. I mean, right, it's one of these things where you got you to gotta be a little bit careful who you're telling people your idol is. And it appears that Gary could be better. No disrespect on that. The next generation is always better than the previous. We have a habit as human beings to put the previous generation in front of our own. But history says different. It's never actually that way. People only get better. Sports only get better. Athletes only evolve. I'm not attempting to compare Gary and McGregor. 
I'm, re I'm really not. But I am sharing with you if you want to look at whose record is better, it's Gary's. And if you want to look at who's going to have more fights and more shelf life and more time, it's Gary. And if you want to talk about who is more likely to fight for a world championship ever again in this life, it's Gary. And if you want to talk about who's won more in the last two years, it's Gary. There's no metric you could come to where it isn't Gary. But Gary says it's McGregor. Now, again, please, please, you know I'm a supporter. I'm a supporter of, of Connor, but I will share with you, it's a problem from a marketing standpoint. The marketing was good. Associate yourself. Get some tweets coming back. Show that you're Connor's buddy. There's something to that. Once you're an undefeated guy that breaks into the top 15, I mean, there's nobody more surprised that Gary's winning except for Gary. Gary's out there selling confidence, and then he's letting us all know that he's shocked that he wins. It doesn't work. Gary's letting us all know how great I am. I'm never nervous. I don't fear any man. I love to do this. He's, tell he's selling confidence. Same thing that Connor sold. And then he goes and tattoos a 15 on his body because he broke into the top 15. There's a person alive that respects the top 15. When I was growing up, it was only top 10. I don't even know where this 15 came from. I'm just sharing for you. Are you confident or aren't you? Are you a future world champion, at least within your own mind, or are you content with being in the top 15? And these are very fair questions. And the most recent time that we saw this was Jemayev. So there's this young man. He's 24 years old. Dagestani, Chechnyan reason, region. By way of Sweden, beautiful reputation. And he's calling himself Khabib 2.0. Now, on one hand, Khabib 2.0 means I'm Khabib, but better. That part I could live with for marketing. But that wasn't what Jemaya was saying, man. This is my idol. This is my guy. I fight just like Khabib. I'm just like Khabib. And he was saying these things. He goes from no fights in the organization to two fights in eight days, both victories inside of five minutes. He's on the tip of everybody's tongue. The first thing he had to do is get rid of the moniker that he gave himself, Khabib 2.0, and he did. And he was so paranoid to get rid of that stigma that he created that he dropped the sit and called Khabib out. He said, no, 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 I'm not like Khabib. I'm better than Khabib. I want to fight Khabib. I will smash Khabib. He had to do that, though. It bothered Khabib. They ended up having a face-to-face. -face. They settled that was between them. That is subsequent to the point that I'm making, which is 100% about marketing. Gary's a damn good fighter. He's an undefeated fighter. He's got a hell of a lot better record as of recent than the person that he's putting over. Does he believe he can be world champion or not? Because I, 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 I did believe that he could be. I did until I found out that he's content with 15. 15's an embarrassment. I'm not trying to take away, right? You guys that did it, good for you. It wasn't even an option for me. When I was fighting back when men were men, we didn't go to 15. I'll tell you that much. We did not go to 15. That, that is silly. And now I got a guy that's happy with it. He's happy with it. Gonna take that with him for the rest of his life. Is he content? Is he done? Does he not believe he's 14, is 13 in aspiration? Top 12, almost out of reach. I mean, where are we at? I'm just asking the question. He can come out and answer it and say, Chill, you got this all wrong. No, no, I don't have any of it wrong because it's marketing. I didn't say it was reality. I didn't say it was true. I said it's perception. It's marketing. And you chose to market yourself 
as a nut hugger to a guy who isn't licensed. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. In fact, if you did like it, then I urge you to submit a review on Apple Podcasts or give me a five-star rating on Spotify. And then come back for more top-tier MMA analysis from me on Friday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.